0: Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer, Evelyn Aka. Good day, my name is Evelyn Aka, and this is the Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer, Evelyn Aka podcast. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. And on this podcast, we are covering all aspects of immigration for professionals and individuals who are looking to move to Canada and the United States for work, for family, or for personal reasons. If you are looking to make that move, you can download our free guide at acalaw.com.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. I have the pleasure today of welcoming my colleague Sarah O'Keefe to joining us on our podcast to talk about her expertise as a wills and Estates lawyer here in Canada. Welcome, Sarah. Lovely. Thank you so much, Evelyn. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really happy to have you here because I feel like this is very informative for people who listen to our podcast. Um, I usually talk a lot about immigration and then all of the other areas that connect to immigration and Mm -hmm. wills and estates is definitely one of them. So do you want to give us a quick overview kind of about your background
2: and what brought you into this area of wills and estates? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out actually. My first articling position was in a wills and estates firm. Uh, They actually practice in corporate tax and estate planning, but that's kind of where I started. Um, I had a I had a genuine interest in in helping people kind of put together these these really heavy documents that are basically you're planning out your life and your death. So that's kind of where I started with that and. I've tried to kind of get away from it, but I keep coming back to this area because it's it's an area of law that everyone kind of lawyers included. We don't take it seriously. Mm. We think it's just a will, but it's actually not. That is the bare minimum that you can do. So that's kind of why I, I I find myself if I as a lawyer, if I go somewhere else, I keep coming back to this because it's so important for everyone, historical Canadians, new Canadians, people who are't White Canadian yet. They're in a permanent residency stage. But when you're here, you need to have these documents. And I'm interested in getting that word out to make sure that everyone understands that these aren't just simple documents. Absolutely. They're outlining your life and your passing almost.
1: Absolutely. No, it sounds heavy in the sense of, oh my God, we're talking about when I'm not around, but there's so much more to that. So one of the things I'd like to kind of start the conversation around is. Why do you think a will and and more importantly, more detailed and the state's plan necessary for obviously our listeners and our clients would be new permanent residents, immigrants, Mm -hmm. immigrants, and people who are even here for three to five years with work permits? Why is it important?
2: So from what I've seen and for me personally, since I've been in this industry now working in it for five years, Everyone I've come into contact with, they have spent their lives building their estates. Mm -hmm. They work hard, especially people coming to Canada. You have worked really hard to get here. Sometimes it's a struggle to get here. And then when you get here, you want to make sure that you're protected. And if you don't put these documents in place, even, even if the will is not in place, the power of attorney and the healthcare directive, they function on your life. Mm. So, if you come into Canada on day one, if something happens to you, which accidents happen, if you get into a car accident and you're incapacitated in a coma, you're basically having to either force your family members to get a court application to be able to take care of you, or you're almost having to let the cars fall where they may. Mm. So, planning is important because why are we as people working so hard to build these estates? for ourselves, for our children, these intergenerational wealth and legacy that we've created, why do it if you're not going to protect it?
1: Absolutely. No, that's very powerful. I think you're totally right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we all have stories of people who've come to Canada. I have one just off the top where uh, it was so sad. It was... um, a family that lived in Mexico, but the husband was Canadian and he'd been living in you know Mexico with his family for 20 years and got sick and decided it was time to maybe move to Canada, came back to Canada. And within like a month of arriving, he died. And it was just like, and then I was getting these calls from lawyers and everybody to like, how can you help? And I was between the immigration oh, for the yeah. child and the wife. And then on top of it, the will, which was a Mexican will, he didn't have a Canadian will. It was but property in Canada, you know, in cases like that, you just think, holy cow, this is so important.
2: It is. And then the hardest thing, it's so easy to put it in place, but if you don't have it in place, if you need it, it is very, very difficult. And so your example there, having that Mexican will, it does work, but one, you have to get it translated because the Canadian courts won't look through it. And then two, you have to go through those Canadian courts again. So you're having to hire a lawyer, which they're never cheap, then you yeah. have to go to court, which is, again, never cheap. Mm-hmm. So you're almost having to backtrack. Whereas why backtrack when we can just put it in place day one, put that security there?
1: Okay, so let's talk about what exactly the basic estate planning documents are that you would recommend. So let's say I come to Canada, I'm a new worker, yeah. even from the U.S. And you know, I'm here mm-hmm. for three years on an expat assignment, what do you think I need to do first?
2: So if you have, if you come to Canada and you don't have any properties, but you have assets outside of that, so bank accounts, if you have Canadian bank accounts, you should have a will, okay. right? So as soon as you have assets in another jurisdiction, in another country, yeah. have that country a will. But more importantly, if you don't, let's say you come here and you're just temporarily in the country, you're not. You're renting properties. You know. You only have a temporary bank account. Then I would say you can maybe put the will to the side, but do not forget the power of attorney, the healthcare directive. Care directive. They are paramount and mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. nastiest court applications to get because y- you can go, you can live your life without a will, and there are resolutions. You know, there's the intestacy act that can step in to dictate how your estate's going to be done divided, which that's not ideal, but there's something, yeah. but when you have a power of attorney or you don't have a power of attorney and you don't have a healthcare directive, someone has to apply to court to be granted it, that, that ability to step into your shoes while you're incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And then the scope of that granted att- power of attorney granted healthcare directive is very, very limited. Okay. I actually saw someone who was, cause I've only said this story, but I've actually seen a power of attorney that was court granted because they didn't actually have one in place. And it was so restricting that it didn't actually provide as much benefit as it would have had it been appropriately set up so that it could facilitate the actual role. Okay. Interesting. So we're talking Mm -hmm.
1: about, let's say though, somebody who comes in and buys a house, which sometimes people do, uh, especially now the rules keep changing. So if you have status, you can buy a house and mm-hmm. they have a young
2: child, what do they all need? All of them. They need all of them. They need all of them. Because just think of it, even if you didn't have the house, if you just have a child, yes. just the child, you want to talk about guardianship. Yes. You want to talk about where the estate is going. Because again, if you don't have the will, some of it's going to your partner, if you have a partner, and then some of it's going to go to your children. Mm-hmm. So you could have, and that sounds fine possibly, but think of it. If you have minor children and you have a wife that could take it ev- or a partner that could take everything, you may want the the partner to have it all in trust until they're past and then go to your children. Mm-hmm. But if you if you leave it up to fate or the system, your minor children could have these trusts that are only in place until they're 18, right? If I create a trust, I can create it so that at 25 we reassess, at yes. 30, we think about it. But at if if it's court applied. 18, they have it. And that could be a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I have learned from very senior lawyers who have been in this industry and the common expression is money makes people funny. (laughs) I like that. And that's rules in the States. (laughs) Yeah. I
1: think it's true. So you're thinking that Mm -hmm. they would need a will, a power of attorney, healthcare directive and guardianship documentation.
2: Well, the guardianship would be in the will right? Okay. Yeah. So it's sorted, then you're you're taken care of.
1: Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So why do you think when people come to Canada, they don't really think about this issue until it becomes a crisis? I mean, Canadians mm-hmm. are also bad, as you yeah. say, you know, but
3: at <laughs> was, least we know. I was know about to say. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, exactly. I, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to say it's just new Canadians, but it's just everyone. And mm-hmm. I genuinely believe the reason is, no one wants to talk about death. And I remember when I first started this practice, I actually struggled being just talking about this. It's it's heavy. These are heavy topics. Mm-hmm. You're having to talk about your, where you're going in your life because we're talking about estate documents. But when we start talking about an estate plan, mm-hmm. that is not just a will, power of attorney, healthcare directive. A plan is when we're looking at, okay, this is where you are, and this is where you want to be, A and B, and how do you get there? Then mm-hmm. we're talking about tax strategies, investment strategies, charitable dispositions in the will to offset taxes on death. Yeah. those little tiny things, all of that, wow. and that's why it's important.
1: Wow. So what's the difference yeah. then, Sarah, between a testamentary versus an intestate estate?
2: So a testamentary versus an intestacy st- estate mm-hmm. is essentially the difference between having a will, which is testamentary, yeah. and the intestacy is there's no will. So then we're following the legislation, which dictates how it's to be divided. Mm. But when you have a testamentary estate, that basically means that the estate is protected by the will, which is their, which is essentially the will is protected through the executor. Yeah. So they become a trustee. They have a fiduciary obligation to the estate. So okay. that is the primary difference between the two. One is essentially protected. Mm-hmm. And then one is essentially dictated by legislation, how it's to be divided. And so
1: in terms of wills and estates, does it matter where people are living, which province they're living in? I mean, I know that you were in Alberta and you can do work here, but I understand mm-hmm. you can also help um with yeah. people from other provinces as well is that right
2: absolutely yeah so lawyers have um every province has its own bit of legislation so they have their own uh rules and requirements for example the healthcare directive if you go to different provinces they call it something different and i i actually don't know why but they do <laughs> um but regardless they all have their own individual legislations and more or less, the wills, the power of attorney, the advanced health care directives with the name change, they're all quite similar, but different sections.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that being said, you know, if I had if I had a client who was in Alberta, but they also had property in British Columbia, for example, because British Columbia has a different kind of probate requirement, I would probably have a will for, for, for British Columbia as well as Alberta. Alberta. So that's where we start thinking about. It's not just the document during lifetime. we want to look at how does that document come to life, mm. and if when it comes to life, it's overly complicated, so that Alberta will is going to have to dictate the british columbia doc the assets. If it's too complicated when it comes to life, get rid of it let's let's implement yeah. those other wills, those other powers of attorneys so that it's simplified because mm-hmm. what I find is. Money also, money makes people funny, but <laughs> the reason why this area of law is so lucrative for lawyers is because it, this is such a heavy emotional moment for the people who are left behind. Mm-hmm. So the simpler you can make it, the more planning that you can have, then on your passing, your loved ones just have to focus on the grief. Yeah. They don't need to look for, you know, they don't need to find the will or hire a lawyer because it's all of your bank accounts are listed. All of your assets are listed. It's dictated how you're going to handle it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. That's how it should be. Yeah. Have, you, have you experienced when people, let's say, what if you have a will in one country and then you come to Canada and you have another will?
3: Because most mm-hmm. people
1: might've had one in their home country, but didn't yeah. create one or set up one because they listened to you and got one in Canada. So yeah. in the case like that, which will, generally speaking, would be the one that dominates or trumps the other?
2: Well, it depends on the assets. They kind of dictate um, what's going on, and that's another uh, reason why you plan because a will can actually change jurisdiction mm-hmm. if you don't plan it correctly. Mm-hmm. So, going back to your point, if there's, you know, if there's assets in Mexico and there's assets in Canada then the will is going to go through the probate process in Mexico for those assets. And the Canadian will is going to go through for the Canadian assets. And that sounds a lot of people might hear this and they say, "Well, sounds like you're trying to make work for us (laughs) to pay you, (laughs) but you will actually save money doing it that way because there's no dispute. There's no translation. There's less court applications. So that's how I would always handle it because the will can change jurisdictions. At its, on its own, even. Yeah,
1: I like that message around obviously having a will, and the impact of having a you know an estate plan, not just a will, but an estate plan, mm-hmm. how it actually leads to saving you money down the line, and especially saving your dependents down Absolutely. the line because you put all of the the, the elements in place. And Mm -hmm. you're not in court and you're not fighting and you're not going through all of that. So it's actually something that I think is about, you know, being economical, because Mm -hmm. by doing it right and getting it done, you're going to save money down the line. Generational
2: wealth will just disappear into the tax man if you don't plan ahead, right? Yes. And no one wants that. They get enough. That's how I feel. (laughs) So even if you do that level of planning to avoid paying a bunch of taxes to the Canadian government, that's reason of itself. But here's, here's a a good little story about how even a, even if you have a will, if it's not thought out of how it functions, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be good because let's say you just say, look, all of my estate is going to go divided amongst my children. My personal assets divided amongst my children. I have three Mm -hmm. children. That sounds nice and simple, right? But when I see language like that, I'm saying, okay, which of the three children gets to pick first because the first person is probably going to pick the most expensive item. Right. Yes. And as soon as that person picks the Ferrari or the piece of artwork that mom and dad loved, they're now gone. Mm -hmm. They're all going to fight about it. Right. All three of them now are going to fight about that very expensive item or another classic is a memorable, uh, um, a heartfelt item, yeah, sentimental, yeah, sentimental. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, that's exact. Those are the two. So, wow, planning, planning. The language of a document is vital. Vital. So, okay. Yeah. So,
1: I know that you don't do a lot of this, but estate litigation. Have you seen some common litigation disputes? Is it a lot of what you just described, like family members at the end are fighting over assets, and I mean, it must be devastating to break up a family over money oh. and you know what's left. For them
2: Oh, I have seen it. I mm. have. I've seen families, um, in my practice where, again, the last it's always on the last to die as well. The first to die, that just goes right. Usually, it's just rolled over to the spouse, surviving mm. spouse. But when the last to die hits, yeah, one usually the last to die never updates their will, so there's will oh. discrepancies. God, that is classic. <laughs> Two. Sometimes when the surviving spouse has been surviving for a few years, Mm -hmm. they could meet a new person. And that new person, especially here in Alberta, there's the Adult Interdependent Partnership Act. Yeah, That's family law. So when you're doing your will, you actually have to be cognizant of of family law as well. Because on your death, that does not excuse you from those obligations. For example, spousal support, child support. And if you don't include that, We're now fighting about it in court and you're probably not going to win. Another, another fantastic example is just liquidity problems. So I do see in my practice, I've seen common, um, I call them civilian solutions almost. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just tricks that, um, civilians use to either avoid probate, what they understand is probate, which is the process of going to court to finalize that will. Yeah. Um, Or they're just trying to avoid hiring a lawyer at all because we don't have a good reputation. So (laughs) what happens there is they're either going to move bank accounts so that the children are on the bank account with the the parent, or they're going to put the child on the house so that on Mm -hmm. passing, it doesn't go through probate. So even those two examples, that's a reason for litigation because I had a a client and I wasn't in the role as litigation. I wasn't their lawyer for that. I was just giving her advice on you need to be careful because mom put her on the bank account, which is completely fine. He helps mom a lot, pays yeah. her bank, bank bills, her phone bills, et cetera. But she had other children. Those children weren't on that bank account. And I told the daughter that was on the bank account, I said, be very careful of this because- that is not your money
3: <laughs> at all.
2: And there's actually case law created because there's so many children thinking that on passing, that's now my money. that that's was what way. was intended. yeah and the sort of other children are saying, no no, 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 you were helping mom, and they it's been brought back to the estate on a resulting trust. So mm. there's a lot of like heavy little tiny details that people try to avoid lawyers and probate. But in the end, you're coming back to court and you're dealing with lawyers because it didn't work. And it costs
1: you so much more. I mean, like Mm -hmm. we see these wills at like the drugstore, people just put them together. Give me your sense of those because, you know, I know that for lawyers, you know, immigration lawyers, this whole concept of, you know, even like legal Zoom and all this, everybody becomes (laughs) an expert. What is it like in terms of, you know, people that you see, purchasing those wills and what the impact is you know it's just it's not worth saving
2: money to do it wrong exactly so let's say for example like first off let's say you have someone who gets one of these will kits and they've done their research and I've met those people Mm -hmm. they're very smart you don't need a law degree to to kind of digest information and they're really on it they know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. but but they aren't aware again of how the document comes into life they can say yes I want Johnny my son to be my executor I want all three children to be splitting the residue I want some so-and-so going to my grandchildren they can list it all out yeah. but if they're not thinking about how the document comes into being mm-hmm. it could still kind of not work out the way that they intend it to mm-hmm. Essentially, and
1: then it's all for nothing. I mean, like I'm sure there's lots of there've been lots of litigation yeah. around these will kits um, for everything from is you know yes. for their knowledge you didn't get legal advice did you know what yes. you were signing when you gave this to that person yes. or money going to a charity and not the kids like I've seen some of those interesting cases where kids yeah. and you know the those left behind are fighting because the I've, person who passed made a decision to donate everything to to the normal, you know, to the
2: dog yeah.
1: store yeah. down the line or the kennel <laughs> or whatever. Like it's crazy or the charity. It is.
2: Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And honestly, with every every time, like lawyers, we have to go to, uh, we have to do continuing education courses. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, every year I'm registered in um, Wills of the States, you know, in Alberta yeah. and in Newfoundland and British Columbia. And that is one of the common, and I'm not saying in a bad way, but it's the, one of the things lawyers are really excited to see what is this going to become? Because these wheel kits, they are a bit of a joke. It's, it's almost like when you have, a, to me, it's like you have a gaping wound and <laughs> you put a bandage on it and you're like, that's good. The gaping wound is going to fester. You're probably going to lose a limb in the end of it all. It's not going to go well for you. But if you think of it, Evelyn, it, it's not just the, it's not just the will kits that I want to you know, mm. talk about either. It's sometimes you have law firms that, and this is again, something we've talked about in these yeah. seminars um, throughout the provinces, but you have lawyers that like to dabble in this area. Yeah. It's one of their favorite things to do is do this on the side. So you have, and, and I'm sure people know of it. You go, you reach out to the lawyer, they give you a flat rate fee and they send you this, this um, attachment that says, okay, list all of your information and what you want in your will. And mm-hmm. then the lawyer drafts it and then you sign it and off you go into the good night. And mm. that's it. That is usually just as well you did nothing.
3: Yeah, that's More the often than not.
2: Exactly, because if we're not talking about who are you naming as an executor, right? Who are you naming as the power of attorney? Yeah. Are they the same people, you know, can you show me the real property report so I can see the title on it? Because if it actually isn't held the way that I'm, you're telling me it's held, which usually it isn't mm-hmm. right. Cause who knows that when they buy a house 25 years ago, um, if it's not like that, the will again is not going to function the way it should. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. Yeah,
1: this is very much like, oh my God, <laughs> everybody should have one when they arrive. The thing that I'm really interested in is the piece on guardianship and our attorney. And I know that I guess April 16th is Advanced Healthcare Directive Day in Canada. So can you talk to me a little bit about what is an Advanced Healthcare Directive? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So the Advanced Healthcare Directive is basically the other side of the coin of a power of attorney. They basically, these two documents step in during your lifetime Mm -hmm. while you are incapacitated. So you are in a car accident, you're in a coma. The power of attorney takes care of your finances and the advanced healthcare directive, the health directive takes care of your healthcare matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And these two documents, even although they function together, they can have different languages. And the legislation that backs these documents gives you protection because more. I always tell people when I'm looking at them, they scare people. These are the two scariest documents because they lift out all of the powers yeah. that you're giving to someone else. While you're still alive, you have to really understand the powers that you're giving to these people. So the healthcare directive, you know, if, if I named my spouse, I get into a coma, my spouse can pull the plug whenever mm. they want. As long as it's, you know, the language that's provided in there, but they're the ones who are, he's going to dictate where I'm staying, who I associate with, what programs I register in. So they are very, very restricting documents. Yeah. And I actually saw, and I apologize that this is not the focus of the health directive, okay. but I did see one time I had a an emergency, someone did an emergency power of attorney advanced healthcare directive. And when the other son came back to us to review them, because we were the original drafters Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and he just wanted us to look at them. I, I reviewed the power of attorney and the healthcare directive and the healthcare directive was as normal. It was very much, you know, take care of this person, have their best interests at heart. You know, if the focus is money versus health, Health is always paramount. Mm -hmm. These are the requirements of, you know, what I want done, my donation-wise. And then the power of attorney actually had very, very different language. It didn't have the fiduciary duty requirement in there. Wow. So you could almost do whatever you wanted with that estate. So another thing that you see traditional powers of attorney and healthcare directors, because they work together, Usually if a healthcare directive is enacted, the power of attorney is also enacted. Yes, you think so. Right? (laughs) You think so. Normally, the power of attorney would normally have language that says, if these two people, because it can be two people Mm -hmm. in these two different roles, have a disagreement. So let's say mom's in coma. Daughter says mom needs to go to a care home. Son says that care home is very expensive. Let's go to a, a, a little less expensive one. If they disagree, the daughter wins because mm-hmm. the health is paramount. That is primary. But you can see directives, powers of attorneys, where the appropriate language that protects the health yeah. over the finance is not there. So oh my God. they're they're very important. And like I said, you can the the scariest part about the health directive and the power of attorney is that, you know, at least with a will, you're dead.
3: I guess. Yes. You know, for
2: me. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the children are fighting. I'm just gonna roll in my grave. But you can come out of a coma, and a lot of people do. And there is case law that talks about how, and I've had them, I've I've been a part of them, um, where they appointed a niece, and that niece actually during that incapacity wiped the entire estate out financially. Mm. And that individual, that, that example I provided is a real person I met last year.
3: Wow. And she
2: has now had to hire a lawyer to go sue the niece to yeah. hopefully get back what was stolen.
1: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But that's what
2: these documents can do.
1: Yeah. No, I think mean, for me, as, even as a parent. So, you know, oh, when I yeah. became a parent, immediately was getting the guardianship. And then yes. at some point, you know, then I got married because my kids were adopted. And then it became... Oh, we got to change this again, right? Because there are other people that were guardians and so I think of wills and estates and all these documents that are connected they're living in the sense that you have to update yeah. them. Oh you yeah. You get married, and- you get divorced, you buy a house, you the you know, like there are times when they need to be updated, right? How yeah. frequently would you say something like that or just when there's an um a significant change in yeah.
2: your life. So usually it's the latter. It's this when there's a significant change, you know, you purchase or you sell a house, an asset, you gain a child, even if there is a, you know, a loss in the family, yeah. that's sometimes, you know, an executor passed who you had named, but to be safe, because sometimes when I say big events, <laughs> a big event is very, very relative. It's subjective to the person. So I, I've abandoned that logic. I say every five years, Pull out your death documents, your Mm -hmm. incapacity documents, and just sit down and go through it. Mm -hmm. And it sounds daunting, but you will save time, money, stress, and aggravation. The other thing I really recommend, and this is something that I find is is always lost on firms that aren't focused in this area, is that they, the documents are very hush-hush. They have a will, they have a power attorney, they have the advanced health care directive, and nobody knows knows. about those. Nobody knows they're appointed, nobody knows the roles. No, They haven't seen the advanced health care directives. And Mm -hmm. in Alberta, the people you name don't have to accept the appointment, right? So there's nothing that, they don't have to sign anything. Whereas in British Columbia and Newfoundland, They at least have to sign saying, yes, I'm consenting to this role. Mm -hmm. But if you don't even give them the knowledge, so I tell people, and I have found only success with this, family meetings are vital. Have the conversation about what your documents look like. You don't need to tell your children or whoever the beneficiaries are your, your net worth. We don't want anyone sleeping with one eye open for the rest (laughs) of their lives, which is how people feel, but you need to say, okay, if you put in trust for your children, explain what a trust is, Mm -hmm. because I put them in place to protect the children. But if we don't talk about it, the children look at it and they immediately think mom and dad didn't trust me. Why, why Mm -hmm. is my stuff not in trust? (laughs) <laughs> and usually it has nothing to do with the child. Yeah. But we're talking about matri- a trust protects against matrimonial breakdowns of the children, yes. of yourself, of spouses even. It can protect against creditors. It can protect against the government if you kinda get into mm-hmm. any kind of bankruptcy issues. Mm-hmm. Like it is very, very it's a useful strategy for, for estate planning, but something that is so useful. Is always interpreted, and I don't know why, as mistrust. So, That's so interesting. I've never heard yeah. that
1: before. Well, this yeah. has been so interesting, Sarah. I really <laughs> appreciate it. I mean, obviously, you're a wealth of knowledge, and we're looking forward to being able to collaborate and help our um, immigration clients really make sure that as a part of their post-arrival supports they consider wills and so as you know we're going to be writing about it and you're going to be writing about it and talking about it and sharing this information because i really feel like just like getting a driver's license and you buy a house and yes hard everything you need to think about changing your wills when you come to another country
2: Absolutely. I wish they could put it in place so that you almost everybody had to be forced to do it like your driver's <laughs> license, because that would make my job easier. But it would. again, the estate <laughs> litigators wouldn't like it. But. What about things like just as we
1: wrap up, what about yeah. things like saying, you know, like organ donation, you put that in your because a lot of times people don't know, unless you tell your family, is that something you would also put in your your directive? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: This is where that events healthcare directive is where we're talking about if you want to do organ donation during your incapacity. So this mm-hmm. is a this is an interesting one as well. But um, so I apologize if it's not oh, quite no, answering your question. But like if you say, like let's say you are in a coma or I'm in a coma, let's yeah. make a nice navy. I'm in a coma and my niece needs a bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. Now, if I just have nothing in place. And I'm a match with my niece. I'm in a coma. There's nothing I can do There's about it. Right? Do. right? That's it. If I'm in if I'm in a coma and my advanced healthcare document directive has language that says, "Look, I'm okay to donate to my immediate family or my extended family mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't impact my life," then that would actually facilitate me being able to donate something that I would normally donate anyways to my niece, yeah. a bone marrow. Um, but it it lets you do things like that. So that's where that advanced healthcare directive. That's where we're going to get into what do you want? How, how alive do you want to be forever? (laughs) Yeah. Do you, a lot of people are focusing on a quality of life, not necessarily a quantity, but everyone is subjective. If you have religious rights and matters, this is where we can put language in there that says, you know, what you are okay with doing in, in the in the yeah. hospital setting and what you're not okay with. And this and actually I'll tie that into the will because I do find that um when I have helped Canadians or new Canadians um in this area, mm-hmm. a thing that gets missed is that if you have specific kind of um rituals or religious aspects mm-hmm. that you want to have abided, then that's something that we would put in the will as well. So I always think that's important. And the more you know, the more yeah. you can put in a document, that's what these This what these are doing. The Advanced Healthcare Directive, Power of Attorney, the will, it's giving all details so that the person that you're appointing doesn't have to guess. I
1: know. That would be yeah. such a great, that's a gift, I think, too, because yeah. it tells people what you wanted. You're not making decisions, God. not knowing, especially like yeah. even the ceremony or the funeral rites or however... Oh you know, what you want. And I think that's really great. So Mm -hmm. I really hope that um, this has been useful for people because it's been very informative for me, Sarah. And uh, I really appreciate you joining us on the Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer podcast. Um, And people need to know if they'd like to learn more about your services, they can contact us at ACA Business Immigration Law. We'll be happy to connect you with Sarah and she can talk to you about whether or not she can assist you with putting together a wills and estates package. Um, If you're here in bc uh alberta bc or newfoundland right
2: (laughs) or even across the country (laughs) exactly the law society has a hundred hours so again it's just legislation so to me we can help every canadian new canadian yeah historical canadian all of them we all you need these documents (laughs) we do thank you (laughs) so much for joining
1: us it's been thanks for having pleasure Okay, absolutely. thanks so much for joining us on the Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer podcast. I hope that you will share this podcast with your friends and family. Please sign up and please do give us a five-star Google review so more people can find us on all the platforms where you find podcasts. Take care,
0: everyone. Till next time, bye-bye. That's it for the show today. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Please share this episode and any others you feel that would help someone looking to make that move to Canada or the United States for work or for family. It would be so great if you could write a review in Spotify to let others know about our show. Please give us a five-star rating. If you have any questions, please reach us at acalaw.com. That's A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com. Or call our main office in Calgary at 403-452-9515. Have a great day. Thank you. We look forward to helping you cross borders seamlessly.